This is the Blatcast. Today, Christian is joined by original Blatcaster Will Sterling and longtime fan favorite Jeff Duray. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blatcast 553. Excited to uh, talk about a, a fun lighthearted bit of a romp uh, a summer fair for the whole family christopher nolan's oppenheimer as always i am christian blatt joined by the one the only jeff dura but uh i guess it's still duray it's just it's, that's my impression just, of the oppenheimer track a lot of heavy breathing into the microphone a lot it's of gonna heavy be my breathing. shtick for the whole podcast the whole show <laughs> Oh, you have a much cooler microphone than I do. But someone who doesn't have a cooler microphone, but let's be honest, cooler mustache than uh, anybody here on the show. Uh, the one, the only Mr. William J. Sterling. Hello, sir. Hello. I don't have a cool sound. To me. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, our pal in the chat, Dominicus Saxon, breaking the ice. Oppenheimer was the feel good movie of the summer. I think uh, we can all agree on that. Uh, you know, don't why take your kids to Ninja Turtles when uh, they can they can learn some history. Um, we were uh, talking a little bit before we got started. And uh, Jeff, I know you've had a lot of time to digest seeing the movie. Um, mm -hmm. when, when exactly did you see the movie, Jeff? Uh, just right now, right before this, I just you, got home. You like from the movie. literally just got home right before this. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Which which so, is convenient because we were originally going to do this an hour earlier. So I'm glad yeah, that. Uh, and then I wouldn't have been it. able to go to that showing. I would have had to go to an earlier one, which I would right. possibly questionably have made. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was it was it hard to find uh, some room in your schedule, Jeff? It was. And it was just like every time I had planned to go, it would fall through. Like we would have plans, we would have tickets. And then it was like, uh, my mom's supposed to watch the dog and then she's being a sea bag. So that didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> stuff like that, where it was yeah. just like, oh, okay, so now we can't go to the movie. That's super cool. That's and sea, yes, that happened bag. like a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a sea. It's bag like when you see sport. your friends on uh, the, next tuesday um oh oh like that yeah 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 that's what i assumed but um, i'm just picturing a bag of them yeah. a bag of c's <laughs> a bag of c's yeah um well if i you were I'm to, glad to that... finger a bag of c's would you be pointing at it or doing something else uh i think uh i think we all know the answer to that question yeah. if not pointing yeah uh so pointing i'm glad you're able to maybe. see it now, Will, uh, due to our uh, prior conversations, but then also because I saw an Instagram post, uh, it was a it was a little bit of an ordeal for for you to see the movie, but for a very different reason. So, talk about uh, how, when you ended up seeing it and uh, why you had to wait until such an odd uh, showing of the film. I saw it midnight Wednesday morning. I never know how to say is it Tuesday night or is it Wednesday morning. You know, it's like you, a, you like drove to the theater Tuesday night, but by the time yeah. the movie started, it was Wednesday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted to see it. You know, we live in a town where we have the luxury of uh, some fancy entertainment related things. And one of those things is the 70 millimeter film projection 
uh, IMAX screen at the Universal City Walk. So uh, that is the way the God, Christopher Nolan and DeMille intended this movie to be seen. And I decided that uh, I should do it that way. I should try to, if I could respect the filmmaker's intentions, I should give it a shot. So I originally I told you, I was like, yeah, I'll see when I get back from New York. Like I'll just pick a morning or afternoon showing and, and just go to the IMAX. Oh no. I didn't anticipate that this movie was going to be like the rebirth of cinema and yeah. everyone was going to fucking give a shit about it for multiple weeks. Like Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, any of these IMAX screenings of previous Christopher Nolan movies, never really a problem after the first couple of days. Correct. This movie, I don't know if it's post-COVID. I don't know if it's because people are just really invested in the two and a half hours of not atom bomb explosions. Uh, but it has, it is largely sold out for its entire run there at the theater. And uh, unless I wanted to sit in the first, very first row, all the way to one side, which if anyone's been to an IMAX screen, they know that you might as well shoot yourself instead of sit there. Yeah. Uh, the best seat I could find was for a 12, 15 a.m. showing. Which, and be able to see it before this podcast. So right, and yeah, uh, yeah I I knew that you were going to run into this because uh, we had uh, Felix's eighth birthday party on Saturday, and I was talking to one of the dads about he was uh, you know he was waiting to see it in seventy millimeter, and I was like, okay, so uh, so when are you seeing it? And he's like, oh, August eleventh. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I couldn't get into, you know, I think that the midnight showings were available, but uh, I think not, uh, not everybody can uh, make it to those. But uh, I thought that that was some great dedication going at uh, 1215. And I remember you posting <laughs> that you, you better, you know, we better not get a half hour of trailers and um, Nicole Kidman reminding us yeah. that AMC makes movies better. I assume you did get all that though, right? Well, I did. Yeah, yeah. I should have showed up at 1245. Um, oh my god, and uh, <laughs> that was the feeling. Is I was like, if you're gonna make us all fucking watch this movie at midnight, skip all this, and no, yeah. none of this is everyone has seen these trailers. Please, for the love of Christ, I don't need to see this as big as I could possibly see it. And uh, we saw it, we saw it. And when you say like I, I didn't miss anything, unfortunately, I am not the young man I once was when uh -oh. it comes to midnight showings, and uh, there was some some minor napping going on here and there. Yeah. But you know, yeah. you were you were just resting your eyes while you were uh, listening. Yeah. In a three-hour movie, I reckon I saw about two hours and forty plus minutes. Wow, that's that's uh that's almost a Matt Reeves Batman worth of movie, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, so that means that uh, your movie ended at three forty-five because it is a solid three-hour movie. Um, I, I, and will, uh, just to specify, it wasn't that you just wanted to see it IMAX. You wanted to see it 70 millimeter and Correct. there's only a few screens that have the 70 millimeter, uh, even in Los Angeles. I think uh, in the there's, world there's like 20. Yeah. And, and we got one, a couple out here. Yeah. The oh, other one's in Burbank. Yeah. We have but this there's is, one in Providence. There's some Burbank. that are 70, 70 mil aspect ratio, but not film projected not actual film projection oh, yeah. Okay. yeah um jeff yeah. how did you see it did you see it the way that uh, nolan intended it on on your apple watch from across the room while using <laughs> yes. a telescope yeah yeah i watched it on my butthole no uh ah it's nice not it was a fine theater but uh so interestingly enough i missed part of the movie oh. for the opposite reason 
I so well, my ordeal wasn't just that I just saw it. My ordeal was that I went to the wrong theater. Oh, so wow. I drove to the wrong theater thinking because there was multiple theaters I was looking at times for. for. Sure. So I went the opposite direction of the way I needed to go, showed up there and then was like, had a, it was right after I got out of my car before I got to the theater. I was like, I have a sneaking suspicion I've done the wrong thing. <laughs> Looked at my phone. I was like, yep. So I jumped back in the car, drove all the way to the other theater where I was going to get there, like just past the start time. Like, and I was like, okay, whatever previews get my popcorn, walk in, and the movie's fucking started. And I'm literally like 10 minutes past the start time. Oh, so I was just like, yeah. okay, fuck me. <laughs> so I don't know what I missed at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I'm assuming not too much, but yeah, I definitely missed it. And then I also had the uh, fun experience of tons of people being, like not tons, but way more than I expected for a two o'clock on a Friday screening. Yeah. So, and it was a lot of old people and these rows weren't very big. So multiple times, this old guy just shuffled past me, like to go to the bathroom, I'm assuming. Cause they were like, I mean, like possibly octogenarian old. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I remember I when this happened for real. That's not what he looked like. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then I had behind me uh, what I found out at the end. Cause I, I didn't realize it was this because I again I walked in it was dark because the movie had started. At the end of the movie, find out it's like basically a family because the father decided that at normal speaking volume he had to explain who every single fucking historical figure in the movie was oh, throughout man. the whole movie. So and especially after the bomb went off, he had to talk about that for like a fucking whoa, while. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We nobody haven't, said, we haven't said we're talking. We haven't said we're talking about spoilers, Jeff. You mentioned that a bomb went off. Come on. Yeah, I'm talking about this bombing at the box office. <laughs> also, I have an idea for an alternate uh, director's cut of this, where instead of the atomic bomb explosion, it's just Adam Driver punching the hole in the wall from that Noah Baumbach movie. Just a different kind of atom bomb. It's a different kind of Adam bomb. Uh, by the way, Jason Blair in the chat, uh, Spicewood, Texas, surprisingly doesn't have the 70 millimeter print nearby. Jason adds that uh, Jeff needs to go to Jordan's on 128 with the butt kicker seats next are, to Bach Toyota. Of course, that's, that's who that's who my mom screwed me out of seeing it. We had plans to oh, go see it at the Jordan's yeah, and then oh. I got screwed. Yeah. Oh. And Dominica Saxon, I see your comment. I'm still deciding whether or not I want to share it with the audience. So <clears throat> we'll sit on it for a little bit. Let's, uh, which is not the first time that was said on this show. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I, uh, I went to, uh, I, I saw normal 35 millimeter projection at an AMC at like 1130 in the morning, because, uh, I was just like, I'm just going to see it when it makes sense for my life. I'm not going to worry so much about the projection. But uh, so, you know, less events there. I did see it with the Dark Prince himself, Salman. So uh, he uh, he may show up in a future podcast where we talk about it. But uh, all of uh, our logistics out of the way, I guess uh, we should talk about the movie uh, Oppenheimer starring uh, Sam Waterston. I thought as, this was uh, Rob a joke when you put it on. The, this, I was like, oh, no, somebody made actual, a joke. It's a his, face, from his face looks... Like yeah. it's been photoshopped onto yeah. his face. Like no, it's uh, there. So uh, in uh, all I wanted to do was bring up the IMDb page just so I remembered the names of actors. And uh, in it, I found out that uh, Sam Waterston did indeed 
play uh, Robert Oppenheimer in 1980 for a, a TV miniseries. And uh, the uh, DVD of it is uh, actually sold out. Uh, from the, uh, is this the, the German version of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so where is that? That's uh, I also it's Vader, Vader van de Atombaum. So, uh, yeah, the father of uh, Dark Father, yeah. Wait a minute, his name is Darth Father. Oh, now I get it. Wait, no way, he was trying to tell us something, George was. Uh, yes, so, um, I would uh, like to uh, get your thoughts uh, from, from each of you about uh about the film and it, it's very rare where there's a film where you could probably f nap for 20 minutes and still kind of have a really good sense for what happened you know yeah. uh it was know, not all at once it was like right two minutes here that's what i assumed there. yeah 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 then you would have had to chosen your 20 minutes if if you uh picked it so uh it's jeff as it as it's <laughs> freshest in your memory uh because i i assume that the uh, that you've still got popcorn belly uh, from the theater, and uh, you know it'll be it'll be all right if you need to dash off at some point. But uh, uh, so it's it's in your mind now, and I, I think it's uh, important to remind our audience that uh, you know your just overall appreciation for Nolan, and then uh, your expectations heading into this movie, sir. Well, I mean, as far as Nolan goes, I definitely love his films. I, I haven't been as impressed by the last two personally, but in general, I've, I definitely remember seeing Memento years and years and years ago, like when it had first come out and being like, whoa, this is an absolute mindfuck. Not necessarily being invested in who the director was, but I just remember loving that movie. And then years later when things like... Uh, the dark uh the first batman came out and things like that going oh that was yeah. that same director okay i was onto something by enjoying that movie i hardly understood as a teenager <laughs> <laughs> yeah and but, his uh, uh two most recent would be dunkirk and tenet uh, yeah dunkirk yeah. just kind of i don't know i just didn't connect with it and tenet just felt like overly complicated for no reason with not yeah. much of a payoff like it was just those two movies were basically like his, he loves playing with time, right? Like that was clearly a theme throughout a lot of his films for a while is time. And those were two that just felt like his experiment with time in film was more important than the story he was telling. And I know it's also when his brother stopped being like the co-writer on his films. So I wondered if that was part of the problem because that was also when Westworld first came out and I loved the characters on Westworld. So I was like, oh, Jonathan Nolan, we should keep our eyes on him. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought this movie was phenomenal. Um, Natasha's dad's actually here. Uh, he's a film editor and he kept saying before I got to see it, how he felt like whereas in his previous films, the spectacle, uh, or, sorry, the narratives served the spectacle. This was one where it was like the spectacle was just serving the narrative or the character specifically Oppenheimer. And I definitely, having thought that going into it, I could see that throughout the film where it was like, we were really, really focused on him and the nuances and the little things. Like, again, I don't know what I might've missed in the very beginning, but I thought one payoff that was really interesting to me was 
you'd hear the feet stomping, right? Like you'd get yeah. into these moments where big things were happening for Oppenheimer. Like he's getting closer to being on the Manhattan Project or he's getting closer to like those, you know, advancements. And you'd hear this stomping, but it sounded so rhythmic. I always kept thinking it was like a train engine getting going or something like that. So when I finally saw the stomping feet and got the payoff of it, I was like, oh, okay, that's really clever like that they've built to it. One that I saw how he kind of built to, but I didn't particularly love was the uh, bring the sheets in because it just felt like it detracted from the end of the moment, right? You have that whole, I loved the sound design as much as I was just like joking about it. I loved what they did with the sound design through the atom bomb scene where it was just like the basic like silence with the breathing and it's just like everything internal. And then after we get the famous quote, the massive explosion, which was pretty cool. Um, but then, yeah, the bring in the sheets moment afterward just felt like I knew that he said it to her. I knew that we were going to get that, but it just felt, I don't know, unnecessary. I didn't love it. And then I saw where they were trying to pay it off later when he was saying like, leave the sheets out after yeah. the uh, trial or whatever. The hearing, yeah. Yeah. No, no. I think, uh, the, the point about the sound design though, like the stomping of the feet and sort of the foreshadowing for, you know, when we were actually going to see what that reveal was and how it was looming through, uh, other parts of the film. Obviously these are, these are all tricks that we've seen him do before. And, uh, it, it's not in the way of, it's not like his lens flare where you're like, okay, again, it's, it's great to, you know, it's great when you can uh, watch somebody work and uh, be given the freedom to do what they do best. And I think uh, visually the sound design, it, it's hard to, you know, to discount any of that stuff, you know, I mean, it's it, 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 because I think the experience is, you know, probably not ruined for anyone without this level of, you know, just sort of the impress the, the impressive way that sound and, and visuals are used. But, uh, you know, I, I agree that uh, it's exceptional in this. And what were you going to say, Jeff? Well, another thing that I remember thinking was because I've uh, Ludwig Goransson, the guy who scored this film, he I've been a fan of his since he was used to score community because he was like good friends with Donald Glover and he used to do like the side project music with him. So right. I've been like, oh, seeing him go from that to scoring this is really interesting. And you could hear some of the aspects that he brings like from other things that he's done. But what I thought was particularly interesting was he sounded so much like he was almost kind of knocking off Hans Zimmer or at least aspects of things that... <clears throat> excuse me, that I remember Hans talking about in his previous scores, right? Like, so for example, Interstellar, where he talked about having a time scale and then adjusting the time scale and basically playing the same melody, but at different time scales for when they were in different parts of relativity to reflect time, right? So like when they're on that water planet, each click that you hear is supposed to be a day relative to like time passing or all those kinds of things. And I could hear some of that like cyclical, repetitive Hans Zimmer previous scores in this score from Ludwig, which I thought was interesting and made me wonder what influence Nolan himself has on the scores and like how they're comprised. Well, I think that's a great place to start with Will, uh, because we have certainly established on the show and just you know, in all the time I've known you, how much of uh, uh, how much you are a, a connoisseur, as it were, of film scores. 
And uh, this one is not Hans Zimmer. Uh, but uh, what did you think of it while you were watching it? And uh, it, did it possibly lull you to sleep during any of those naps that you had during it? Uh, no, I really love I mean, I like Ludwig a lot, too, and uh, didn't know really who he was until I think. Uh, what was it? Creed, because he did the music for Creed, because he's working with Ryan Coogler forever. Um, but uh, I thought the score was good. I think that the, I do think that Christopher Nolan has that kind of uh, the vision that translates to the music as well, which is cool to see that the through line is like not necessarily that it's a ripping off of the other person, but that it's clear that this is being communicated and then created based on what the vision is. And I think like I also I liked Dunkirk Tenet. I genuinely really really have kind of a disdain for that movie because to me it's like a 250 million dollar fuck you to everybody but christopher nolan <laughs> like he honestly was like i just really want to make this movie and they're like no one understands it and he's like i don't care i yeah. this is what i'm gonna do for me and this this is what's happening but all that being said uh ludwig gordonson's score for tenet was genuinely one of the best ones of that year i thought so he um I, I and funny enough, in terms of the concepts of time, that like the most iconic piece of music from Nolan movies, I feel like is the song called "Time" from Inception, which is Hans Zimmer. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's as much as a ripoff. And, I, and watching the movie, the score, I mean, it comes through really well. But then listening back to it afterward now, a couple of times, just like on Spotify, um, there's a lot of good stuff there. I have realized something recently in that. Movies are getting longer, but also because of streaming in terms of Spotify and other things, uh, movie scores don't have to be edited to be concise for like CDs or records anymore, like as an album. Um, so honestly, the it's almost like as a score collector, you'd think that my, my dream would be able to have all of the music cues, but like it's too much music. Like it's, <laughs> it almost there's a nice way of like making the score listenable as an album when you take the best pieces and you make it like 45 minutes to an hour. Like the score for Spider-Verse 2 is like two hours worth of music. And this score is like two hours worth of music. Every score, like the Justice League Snyder cut, uh, the movie is four hours. The score is three hours long. I'm like, no one needs all this music. <laughs> Why are you giving us all of the cues? I don't need all of the fucking... Diana walks into a room. It's like a 30-second track. You're like, amazing. Why? I don't uh, need to... And you're I'm missing out about... on college students because kids like <laughs> me had to recreate the sound design for scenes as part of my like audio classes. So oh, things like these cues would have been fucking perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a sound designer's perspective, I mean, I'm not super mad. I just wish there were two versions of each score because to go through the Oppenheimer score, it's two hours long. And I'm like, it's not a, it's not as breezy as like the Inception score, which is like 48 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. I, wouldn't a lot of those pieces be almost identical too? It's just like this one's 45 seconds. It's the same song, but this one's 45 seconds and this one's 46 <laughs> seconds. So let's include them both as different tracks. There's a lot. Different. Yeah. There's a lot of like similarities and stuff where I'm like, this would be better if it was like multiple suites featuring these big pieces of music or 
I mean, it's not every single track is really like specific cues of like people walking into rooms. I'm, that's Justice League is, feels like that because it's three hours of music. <laughs> um, but still, it's like uh, that's the only thing that's bugging me about film scores these days. But Ludwig is amazing, and I think he deserved that Oscar for Black Panther. And the score is good. Um, it's just me realizing these days that for me as a film score fan to casually listen through scores, new scores, it's like a major time investment now. It's multiple dog walks when it used to be like one or two. Yeah. I think the idea that uh, limitations aren't always a bad thing, you know, yeah. uh, when, you know, when your TV series had to even fit into like an HBO length of like an hour, that's probably about right. Every once in a while, you're like, oh, something crazy happened. And, you know, we're doing a 90 minute. But, you know, when you look at running times now for shows and then, yeah, what you're talking about for scores, when you had to fit it on a CD, I think a CD gives you 74 minutes of music. It sounds about right. And uh, a lot of movies and Broadway shows would be two CDs. But uh, Broadway show is, is songs. It's not just music. And I think right. when you don't have to be selective and it's like, let's just give everybody everything. It's like, yeah, but I kind of I kind of want the, you know, the cliff notes of, of the score. I don't I don't need every time somebody walks into a room at a, at a party, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. so. Uh, you Jason Blair up. says I could listen to the CD for house party Two pajama jammy jam from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, that's going to have songs on it. Obviously. I, I think that's uh, uh, but moving away from the score, I wanted to uh, talk big picture. Will uh, what you thought of the film in and of itself. Um, it's good. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think I'm ever going to leave a Nolan movie except for tenant. And even that being said, tenant is still like technical, a technical good, made well i can at least say that like yeah there's plenty of movies where i've been like this is just fucking garbage you know like oh god why did they like shazam 2 just kind of feels like you're like we really stopped defending exactly Levi. you made a bad movie it happens it happens to the best of all of you like you just let it go you know what i mean like it's yeah. not great um that it he makes technically great movies and this is one that i think is better than the past couple but i do i will say that i mean i agree with jeff and i felt that change when jonathan nolan started writing they started kind of broke up or oh, never broke up but they they clearly wanted to do their own thing which i get but nolan is not great at theme and the heart of characters he is very good at people talking about what's happening in the movie and that's pretty much the extent of every single conversation for all of the characters in his films like he casts and directs so well that the actors bring their own amazing tools like with them so Emily Blunt's giving a great performance. Uh, what's his, Killian Murphy's going to win fucking best. Oh, like, I, really, I mean, a tremendous performance. But when you, when I was realizing watching it, I was like, this is three hours of everyone in the movie talking about everything that's happening in yeah. the story so they can explain how Nolan loves complicated movies. Inception is an entire movie about explaining what it actually is about. <laughs> and he, that's like what Nolan likes to do. I mean, Memento is the first, but you're like, oh, fuck, he, this is what he likes to do. But it's hard to connect with those characters a little bit on a writing level because the, I'm like, what is it that you're really trying to stay outside of the technical side of things? And maybe he's just not like a super emotional guy. Um, that was my only like criticism was I was like, the dialogue's not super bad. It's just that every scene is clearly there. It's so plotty and not super theme-based that I see the characters struggling, but I'm watching the actors work. That's not a Nolan's writing. 
that's in them, him wisely casting really fucking talented people. Um, so it's a little heady. And I'm living in my world right now of no movie needs to be as long as it's been recently. Don't even fucking get me started on part one of whatever bullshit we're getting. Uh, <laughs> everything can be shorter. <laughs> Nothing needs to be two parts long. And I don't think this needed to be three hours, but that's just me. no. Yeah, no, look, I, I think that uh, there's there's a time where, you know, a three hour version of a movie uh, that used to be the oh, if you really like the movie, we'll put it back in, into theaters or you can buy the Criterion collection. Right. I, I don't know if either of you have seen the uh, the redo of Apocalypse Now and it has the, this 40 minute sequence at a french plantation yep, which very of course they cut it out for the theatrical release but as yep. someone who had seen the movie many times and loved that movie when i finally got to see it i'm like oh this is great they totally had to cut it out but this is great yeah. <laughs> you know and, and uh, so, you know i don't i don't think i i felt like we had a french plantation sequence in here where it's like this is the part to kind of uh kind of take away but yeah, I, I don't know that you need three hours to tell any story. And if you do, why don't you give us, you know, if you're, if you do a part one and a part two, uh, let's make each one 90 minutes. And I remember the old days when, uh, like, uh, Kenneth Branagh did a, a version of Hamlet, which was the, I think the first one where they, they did all the dialogue in the play. There was an intermission. Great. Thank you. I, yeah. I need to stretch my legs. I might, yeah. you know, and, uh, I appreciate that consideration of the audience. I think, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I think my favorite part of the movie is when Robert Downey Jr. stops walking with a limp on his way back to the car, and then the cop realizes it was him the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> Kaiser Downey fun. Jr., exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I find uh, there's so much that's brilliant about the filmmaking in this process. Uh, we talked about down to the sound design. And, uh, you know, to think about just the, the film editing and, and using sound and visuals the way they do. The acting is phenomenal. Uh, I, have, I have one person that I'll criticize uh, the, the choice uh, for, for, the, for the actor, for the performance, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, I do that fundamentally... Was it? <laughs> it's not. Uh, I do fundamentally feel, though, uh, that... I was really surprised by the focus of this film. So Robert Oppenheimer is responsible for, I don't even think it's arguable. The most significant moment in human history is creating something like this and a lot, you know, dealing with that is fascinating. And I, I'm sure, you know, it's been covered in other things. People have read a lot about it, but uh, I, I think that to focus less on that, and more on a couple of committee hearings later in his life and spending half the movie on committee hearings was honestly, I just feel like it was a, I'm, I'm not going to question Christopher Nolan, but I, I would have preferred uh, to focus on, you know, the dropping the atom bomb. We didn't need to see Nagasaki and Hiroshima. I didn't, I didn't need that. I didn't feel like it was that movie. That part's fine. Um, I was just like, wow, this is a lot of listen. Like, was I invested in whether or not he kept his top secret clearance? I will tell you, no, I didn't give a shit. I really <laughs> didn't. I could not have cared less about that. The Robert Downey Jr. thing was his interesting. Clearance. 
You're right. You're right. I appreciate that. So he needed to get uh, John Delancey uh, cleared. Thank you. For my Star Trek <laughs> friends. Uh, but uh, the, Robert Downey Jr., by the way, phenomenal in this movie. Because really? yeah, it's best performance 15 years of him, you know, kind of playing a version of Tony Stark. Because his Sherlock Holmes, when you look at his Sherlock Holmes, it's like, okay, yeah, it's Tony Stark. And I, I know he did that first. But it's like he kind of played that character for a while. You kind of forget like, oh, this is the guy who is Charlie Chaplin. You know, in Chaplin, not in real life, uh, you know, and to <laughs> see him be something so different. I was like, oh, this is great. It reminds you like, oh, yeah, he doesn't just, you know, wear sharp suits and sunglasses and, you know, make smart ass comments. So I, I think it was it was interesting. But I was like, when they dropped the bomb in the middle of the movie, I was like, oh, that. Oh, oh so we're doing it now. OK, boy, I can't wait to see the fallout. Well, no, you're not going to get that. Uh, so. I'm not even going to say that it made it like that. It wasn't interesting, but the amount of time devoted to stuff that I wasn't interested in, this is easily like you, you condense that stuff. We, if, if this was a two and a half hour movie and it even still flowed the, you know, the structures exactly the same. I don't think I feel the same way about it. It's just the amount of time spent on that. But what did you want to say, Jeff? I was going to say interesting choice of words. Cause it immediately made me think like, it was the fallout of it was yeah. just his personal fallout. Yeah. So it was like, that's why the dropping of the bomb came at the middle of the movie. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't the Manhattan project movie. It was the Oppenheimer movie. And for him, he lived so much of his life after the bomb. And there were so many consequences in his life. As we saw the rippling consequences, literally ripples in the pond and all that stuff. Uh, were what we saw with these committee hearings and the politics of it all because that's what he was also accused of right was being more of a politician than a scientist at a certain point yeah no no definitely and i think that uh you know and and i'm remembering now another casting choice that i was like uh, you know rami malik's rami malik's character sort of like i'm completely insignificant until the end when i'm super duper important I was just like, okay. I mean, you wanted to make sure we knew who he was earlier, but that was more like, how about uh, I, you know, I, I I assume that uh, there there was, you know, he did, he he had plenty of time. He's like, oh, you put me in earlier scenes. What were you gonna say, Jeff? Sorry, I'm sorry. I I was gonna say, how about uh, Josh Peck? That's the guy with the keys. Who's like, you sure? <laughs> just like <laughs> hand hovering over yeah. the buttons like uh, he was actually a guest on a podcast that i work on and oh, he was really? talking about that and he was like it's so random he's like i'm in the movie for like five minutes you know everyone's like oh my god you got to work with chris Renault. it's amazing he's like it really was he's like there's no way i would have ever turned it down but i didn't think they were going to cast me like he had to go through the typical sort of audition process of course like his tape gets sent you know, like directly to nolan kind of thing but still he was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then I guess Nolan called him and was like, do you want to do it? And he was like, well, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of actors in there who, like, you know, or who are, like, yeah. who I clearly, I think they just want to be in Nolan movies. Like, David yeah. Desmalchian was that random FBI guy. And uh, Robin Malik, Ken yeah. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Like, people who yeah. are, like, not in it for that long, but they're super famous. I think mostly because they just want to work with Christopher Nolan. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, it was like their agent was like, hey, do you want to be in the new Christopher Nolan movie? I'm like, uh, yeah, what is it? It's like, I don't know. We can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, sure. I'll still do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was probably like that. It's like right. it's a small part. Uh, Dominicus Saxon making the point. Always be nice to assistants. 
You never know when they will testify against you. That's right. That's why I never have any assistance. And then I don't have to uh, worry about that. Uh, focusing on the committee hearings for a moment, uh, the uh, the actor, I never heard of him. Uh, Macon Blair is the actor's name. And he played Lloyd Garrison, who basically was Oppenheimer's defense in, in the hearing for his his Q rating, I guess, which was how big of a celebrity he, he was. That must be what a, a Q trial is. Um, Lloyd Garrison is uh, Kevin Costner's character from JFK. So historically in, in history, this is like a, you know, and I was just like, oh, they really undercast this actor who just kind of, I don't know, felt like a TV actor. And I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a great part, probably a good opportunity for him. And I wasn't like furious about it, but I, but every time he came on the screen, I'm like, this guy, all right, all right, I guess. Um, but, you know, so it, it was hard after the movie was over. Uh, and, and at some point, like I said, uh, I'll I'll talk to Sal on this. Salman just like hated it, like completely because he felt like he wasted three hours. I'm like, all right, well, that oh. that I didn't let his his hatred uh, seep into me because I was like, no, no, there's there's a lot that I that I think worked. Um, I, I would say something that, that didn't work because it only really happens like the one time in the movie is his uh, hallucination of Florence Pugh, like in the hearing, like on that guy's lap. And I'm like, I don't this think this is really that's that movie. That's Emily. That's Bust. not Oppenheimer's. That's Emily no, no, that's, Emily that's, that's hers because it's her, it's her hearing the recounting of the situation and then imagining him in that situation, okay. which is why later on, she's so fucking furious with him. That, and that leads that, me to a joke I meant to make, which is that, because he's a sexist, Will was napping during every one of Emily Blunt's scenes. <laughs> I miss Florence Pugh's boobs. Yeah, I've never saw him. What? Uh, no, really? That's not true. <laughs> no, yeah, that's not true. I was going to say, I took pictures uh, of the screen when I went. I'll, I'll uh, text them to you. No, uh, yeah. So, you know what? Uh, so, I'll, I'll actually withdraw that. If that's Emily Blunt's just imagining it, I, I think it makes sense because we don't spend so much time with her character. I thought it was him. And I'm like, we, where, where's that uh, like another time in this three hour movie? But if it's Emily Blunt's, um, it's still kind of a weird thing. And it's not something that we see a lot of in the movie. But if if that's like the significance is is her seeing it. Um, I don't I don't have any any real complaint. But um, what I'm wondering so is. Yeah, shift from his perspective. I was going to say, to your point, it's the only time we really shift from his perspective in the movie. So that's probably why it wouldn't have immediately registered that it's all of a sudden we're now in her head and her feelings, right? Because throughout the yeah. rest of the movie, it's his. You'll see what he imagines, how he imagines the reactions between the neutrons and everything else. So it, it is yeah. a little bit of a one of those, hey, you broke a rule. You, you can't do something once in a movie. That's the rule. Yeah, but again, uh, it, it, I, I think Christopher Nolan is like the Judge Dredd of directors. He is the law, so you don't get <laughs> yeah. to tell him uh, what the law is. So, uh, <laughs> Jeff, you seem I, to feel that uh, the, the you know, sort of my conceptual gripe about spending so much time in committee hearings, uh, that just seems to be me. You seem to feel like, no, 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 it, it makes sense to focus on the, the after effects of this on I, his life because this isn't – this isn't uh, about politics. This isn't about the the science behind it. It's not about what happened next with the hydrogen bomb, any of that. This is like, well, how did it impact him that he's this guy, right? Well, so interestingly, like 
speaking about the committee hearings, when I got in the movie, again, I don't know what, how much, or if I even really missed that much of it at all. It was Robert Downey Jr. talking to, I think, Emil Hirsch, or no, um, that other guy. He's the, the guy who played Solo, right? That was his little, like, co-counsel guy? Uh, yes. I can't think of it. Something, some oh, crazy, was, weird name. He was in that movie? I didn't even realize. Uh, the Han Solo Yeah, movie? I think he's the guy. Yeah, Han Solo guy, I thought, was the guy who was working with Robert Downey Jr. Am I confusing oh. him with somebody else? I. I think oh, you might be, but uh, I'm having trouble remembering oh. that actor's well, name. Well, anyways, so, so that's it was right. the two you, of them speaking your thought before they'd gone in. Yeah. yeah, so it was the two of them speaking before they'd gone in, and then pretty shortly after that, we were jumping back to, I don't know his name, but um, the dude who was in the family, uh, uh, Adam's family movies and was dating Wednesday, who played like uh, Oppenheimer's really good friend who was like the other Jew when they were at the, I, th I think they were in Germany or, or they were in uh, Holland or something right. early in the film. So I'm just I, saying I like, I saw it jumping in. That's around when I jumped in uh, or got to the yeah. film. So for me, it was like, and everything was already just being framed as like, as I was trying to catch up and I was just like, okay, we've got committee hearings. What's this about? So by the time I like was understanding what the point of those were, I, I don't think it, yeah. it was, and I, it never and bothered just, me because I was just, just playing to, catch up. Just to clarify, uh, the actor you're speaking of is Alden Ehrenreich. That's who played Solo. And yes, yes he's credited as Senate aide in Oppenheimer. Um, oh, he, he, also played, character name? he also played Eddie <laughs> in Cocaine Bear. So, you know, uh, oh, yep. <laughs> great year for him. He was in Cocaine Bear and a Christopher Nolan movie. Arguably uh, Nolan's Cocaine Bear of his... <laughs> Oeuvre. Is, 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 is his cocaine yeah. bear. Yeah. Is yeah. the cocaine bear. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Sorry. But, yeah. So that. I'm saying it didn't bother me because I think I might have been playing catch up to it. But then it also, it just, it made sense that this is what they were dealing with. Right. Like, or, or that I guess, I don't know. I didn't understand the relationship between Robert Downey Jr. and him immediately because again i don't know if i missed a little bit of context i, of I don't think you did i mean because he's just hiring him to to work at i believe it's stanford you know when we first meet him and we actually don't see him again for a little while but uh yeah it'd be interesting to try and remember exactly what it was that you didn't see but i i do feel like einstein the, being grumpy <laughs> no so yeah, I, I saw him bring oppenheimer in and talk i saw robert downey jr bring oppenheimer in, offer him a position i saw the initial conversation yeah. with oppenheimer and einstein and all that so again i might not have missed much of it but i guess the the committee hearings didn't bother me because i knew that the whole thing was framed around mccarthyism and then every single committee hearing was some kind of mccarthyist hearing right it was all revolving around communism or revolving around your associations, which is, it's, again, it's the McCarthyan era where that was the, every conversation, it seems like, at least the way it's depicted in the media. Yeah. So, so I guess that just didn't bother me. And then it was uh, just watching it, trying to understand exactly like what the point of all that was, like whose side he was on. I, I think that's what we're supposed to have, right? That's why we have the reveal later on when, because uh, I guess, I wonder if Alden Ehrenreich is essentially like us in those scenes with Robert Downey Jr. where he's like trying to figure out it here. He doesn't have all the information and he's just yeah. like, whatever, whatever. 
So yeah. when we had that little reveal scene with him and Robert Downey Jr., it was just like, oh, that's what's going on here. So I found that intriguing. Um, and then again, with all the rest of it, where it was just like watching watching his face, watching Emily Blunt's face during those hearings and seeing how like them, the you know, Killian Murphy and, and Emily Blunt as actors would just like, they did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, of just the nuance, like almost showing the hurt or showing their like intrigue or whatever it was when the different testi uh, testimony was being given and all the questions were being asked. And even just, uh, I can't think of his name, he, J something Lee or something. He's like an Australian guy. He played the prosecutor character. I thought it was really interesting when he was like right up in Oppenheimer's face, at least to Oppenheimer's perspective. And then we kind of like, when we finally calm that down, you see that he's sitting in his normal position. He hasn't necessarily got all up in his face, like uh, yeah. was being depicted up to that point. And it, I just think the little things there, I was finding intriguing. But again, I was also coming into the movie late, wondering what what I had missed. So I was spending the whole time trying to like be extra observant of everything to make sure well, like I picked up the you, pieces. So you were particularly confused because you thought we were doing an episode on Barbie. So you really thought yes. that uh, you were like, wow, this story is really taking a dark turn for, uh, for Barbie. When does, uh, when does Margo Roby drop the bomb? I just, I didn't <laughs> waiting well, for it. For, for Quentin Tarantino, it's as soon as she kicks her shoes off. Uh, Will, I kind of <laughs> wondering your thoughts uh, sort of on the, the, the same aspect of the film sort of the focus on the after effects and the committee hearings and uh, and all that uh uh you know how you felt it worked uh in in the context of this particular 3 hour movie i uh i definitely i in terms of the setup i was like oh i kind of knew what to expect just because it seemed like it was a big focus based on the trailers and the marketing stuff and there was that sort of dual black and white color and i knew that they were splitting the narrative between color being the past and right. black and white being the present of that timeline but uh so it wasn't it didn't take me by surprise that it took up so much of the real estate but i was surprised that the atom bomb going off happened so early not early but genuinely i kind of lost track of time in my mind because the you know the movie's sort of all encompassing it was super late uh <laughs> I honestly was like, once they detonated the bomb, I was like, amazing. I was like, so sleepy. And I was like, <laughs> getting um, like, I get when I get super tired, and I'm up very late, I get like sort of restless leg syndrome kind of thing. So like, I'm constantly like shifting in my seat. I was like, Oh, it's okay. It's just been great. But like, it's gonna be over. Like, oh, thank God, I gotta go home. I gotta go to bed. Like, I thought that I'm not enjoying this. I just I need to go to sleep. And yeah. that was not close to the end of the movie. And I didn't <laughs> <laughs> know that and i couldn't yeah. tell how much longer it was going to be going on for and i was like must have been 2 30 in the morning but internally i was like what year is it i have no idea like where i like a little like I, I probably should see the movie again and i will uh not i don't need to go now to the big imax thing but just to give right. it another fair shake because i also don't know sometimes if my my personal criticisms are because i'm tired and grumpy but once I got to that second half of the movie, I definitely was like, okay, now I think it's okay if I close my eyes a little bit here. Like I just, bit, yeah. That is when I intentionally was like, I'm just going to, just for a second, we'll see what wakes me up and I'll just come. I would just like in and out for the rest of the movie. I mean, I, like I said, I only missed probably like 15 minutes at that point, but uh, 
It, yeah, it, no, it no. It was I interesting, think... and I like to see Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Genuinely, the best performance he's given, like of this century, for his work. You know what I mean? Maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but even then, that's very uh, Iron Manny. But it was kind of the first time that he Kiss did Kiss it. Bang Bang is a is a is a great uh, example. I had kind of forgotten about that. That's that was movie. like one of several comebacks for him. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that uh, we've I all think had it was our a opportunity. <laughs> Oh yeah, that yeah, was good sorry. too. That I was, said... <laughs> no, that that was fun. Uh, so I'm glad that we've all had a chance to share our thoughts on Oppenheimer, uh, and I I think that uh, for the most part uh, we're happy. If I had to rank enjoyment level, it goes Jeff, Will, and then me. But uh, I'm not even I'm not Salman. You know, in so many ways, uh, I I uh, I can't say that I would necessarily watch it again because of the runtime. But I'm curious. I'm like, all right. When you know what's coming, is it going to feel different? But um, I do want to bring in someone uh, to join our conversation. Uh, they are one of the most respected minds on film analysis and criticism in the 21st century, but oh. especially in the year of 2023, in the year of our Lord. Uh, please welcome to the Blackcast for the very first time, Tukey. Tukey. Whoa! Hello, everybody. Thank you for having Tukey. Tukey, I am so uh, glad you were able to join us. Uh, I think 2023 is really the year of Tukey. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yes, Christian. Thank you for saying that. That is absolutely correct. And I love that you're looking up at me as though you can see me from, from the box that's right there. Yes, I want uh, to acknowledge who I'm talking to. And for our visual Jeff audience. And Will. <laughs> Yeah, Tukey. Tukey can read. I think that mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Brennan might feel differently. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there are some people that think that Tukey can't read, but uh, I'm a big fan of Tukey. And uh, for our visual audience, you can see the logo for Tukey Soup, which uh, you did your first episode of that uh, just uh, on Sunday. Okay. And uh, explain Tukey Soup, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into talking a little bit more about the movie. Oh, it is hard to explain, but basically, Tukey lives in this universe where all these uh, dummies do shows and they're all very similar. They're all very stupid very and true. they all do shows and they constantly do shows, even though they're not shows, they just hang out and beg for money. But anyway, Tukey watches all these shows and he pulls all the greatest clips and shows them every Sunday night at 10 PM. Well, I don't know about every Sunday night, but, but you Sunday know. nights at 10 PM Eastern. Yeah, some soup. some Sundays. Uh, at, some uh, Sundays. Yes, Perfect. and uh, you know I'm lucky enough to sometimes be on one of those uh, shows that need to be watched. But uh, you know, one of the ones that has a little bit more of a focus. We're talking about uh, who are these podcasts? And by the way, in the live chat, Dominicus Saxon says, "Finally, we get a little class on this podcast." So Dominicus oh. Saxon appreciates Tukey. Uh, mm -hmm. Really classing up the joint in in so many ways, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, raging rhino also says about time. You know, and by the way, I didn't let people know that Tukey was going to be joining us. I think that they're just ex so excited yeah. to see you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't realize Joel McHale let himself go so much. <laughs> oh, how dare you! <laughs> I am looking um, to follow in the lines of great soup hosts like Hal Sparks. Oh my gosh! And Hal Sparks. that black chick. Uh, yeah, I and... yeah. Jim Henson? Uh, John Henson. Oh, yeah. uh, he had like the white spot uh, on his hair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I once had a girlfriend who John Henson was like her celebrity crush. And I was like, oh, Whoa. Uh, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I started to feel like, all right, clearly uh, this isn't uh, long for this mm -hmm. world. And that was I once had a boy. girlfriend who looked like Hal Sparks. 
<laughs> Good for you. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I know, Will and Jeff, you guys uh, are not uh, versed in the way of Tukey. Uh, I know in a recent show, I explained to you that uh, I had done a show with Cardiff Electric, who is a oh. cartoon potato. Now, you and Cardiff are going to have a show called Yo Remember the 90s uh, starting in September. Is that correct, Tukey? Uh, he's doing that with El Harible, but yes, oh. same difference. Yes. I no 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 no. I I I didn't realize that uh, that was the case. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to watch it now that I know that uh, Tukey's not going to be on it. So yes, that uh, is true. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyway, well, you know what? I get. I just gave a plug to uh, Cardiff and El Harible. But, yes, uh, you'll remember the '90s. It's going to premiere. It's going to be every Friday night. I believe at 9 p.m. Eastern. And again, I don't know if it's going to be every Friday night, but we're trying. Yeah, look, that's all we can ask in mm -hmm. this day and age. So um, I wanted to get a little bit of your background, uh, Tukey, uh, in terms of the director, Christopher Nolan. Uh, obviously, he's a, an accomplished filmmaker. Uh, and I know that I'm going to just assume that uh, because you spend so much time programming things for the boys and girls out there on the mm -hmm. Internet, that you're familiar with his Batman films. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mr. Freeze and the Riddler, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no, no that, it's not those ones. This is the, this is the one where... Yes, yeah, Batman had nipples. Batman had nipples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, this is where like Heath Ledger was the Joker and he stitched a, uh, a cell phone into someone's chest and it exploded. Oh, oh yeah. yes, yes. I remember. Tuki has seen that one. Yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that that's uh, you know that's kind of the level. Maybe that's not for the for the boys and girls. Now that I'm thinking about that it, happened to I'm a friend of mine, but it was just because he got one of those shitty Samsungs and he always was losing <laughs> it. So, mm -hmm. so he just put it in his chest. Sorry, uh, yeah. when I eat Taco Bell, Wait, it's it's kind of the same thing. Like I have an exploding uh, cell phone. It's in not my chest. chest though. Oh yeah, no, in your no, butt. no. But yeah, I I, I hope uh, Tuki, you you have a butt and you have pockets and all that. I don't want to get oh, into yes. the anatomy. Yes, I do have a butt. Thank you for <laughs> asking, Christian. <laughs> Look, <laughs> we so we nice asked here. We ask the questions that uh, people are afraid to, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's mostly because we don't uh, we don't have super chats, so we can we can have real conversation. Um, mm -hmm. So. Tuki, I, I was wondering if, uh, you know, if you wanted to tell us what you think about Oppenheimer, the, the oh, Christopher Nolan film. Uh, sure. Uh, Oppenheimer is a 2023 epic biographical thriller film. Uh, it was written and directed by that guy you said, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's based on the 2005 biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird. <laughs> and Martin Sherwin. Uh, the film um, chronicles the career of American theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer. Tuki, I'm going to ask you a question. What? Uh, jerk off? I think you might be you right. Uh, at, at, you know, considering considering the, the life that he leads, it probably is what the J stood for. Oh, Tuki um, has failed you, Christian. Tuki could well, not watch this boring movie. <laughs> that that Yeah, I was going to ask, Tuki, because it sounded to me like you were reading the Wikipedia. In fact, yes. while you were talking, I looked up the Wikipedia, and, and that is the first paragraph of it. Yes, Tuki, that's exactly what I was doing. All I asked you to do was watch a three-hour movie. You know, I'm Will over there. Will over there, he went to go see it at 1245 at night. So it ended Whoa. at 345. And he only sick. slept for about 20 of those minutes, Tukey. Oh. <laughs> oh, this movie looks so boring. <laughs> oh, 
Who cares? Seriously. Well, I mean, it's look, it's about something historical. It's about the development of the atom bomb, which, you know, was was dropped on on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh Uh, Our friend Dominica Saxon actually made a joke much earlier. He said, I heard in Japan there's a special screening on the 6th, then again on the 9th. Oh, no, that's horrible. I would thought that would make Tuki upset. That's why I saved the joke. (laughs) Oh, no, Tuki's not going to cry, is he? No, Tuki will not cry. No, Tuki, Tuki's no. made her stronger stuff than it was that. Sad, but no, not cry worthy. So, what is it about this movie that didn't appeal to you? Did uh, did you were you turned on, off by the fact that it was three hours? Did you not want to hear about the development of the atom bomb? What what was it? Just everything? Yes, all of it. <laughs> Why are movies so long? It's ridiculous. Well, do you know who the actress uh, Florence Pugh is? Is does she sound familiar to you? Uh. No. Okay. Well, um, you do see her boobies in this movie. Do you think Yay! that? Uh... That's fantastic. <laughs> so uh, do you think that that makes you any more likely to see this movie or perhaps more likely to renew your subscription to MrSkin.com? Do you have timestamps? <laughs> well, Mr. Skin does. Yeah. Oh, they, fabulous. They, then yes, they I will just it. go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fair. I, I don't blame uh, Tuki for not wanting to see it. Thank is there you. a movie that you've seen recently that you did really enjoy? I'm kind of wondering what uh, Tuki's personal taste is. Oh, uh, yes, actually, I did. I thought the Super Mario movie was fantastic. I, I think we're all in agreement on that. Uh, Will, mm-hmm. Jeff, we all like the Super Mario movie, right? Haven't seen it. I actually haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like so, the, the original one, the good one with John Leguizamo. Uh, yeah, you were oh, talking about the one you. with John Leguizamo? Because yeah. oh, that is yeah. garbage. Hopper, Academy yeah, Award. Yeah, you, yeah no, no. The Remember new, the new one's was phenomenal. Fungus that was a person? That was yeah. cool. Fungus Among Us. There is that a was, Fungus That was the princess's father. It was all yeah, things was that were really never in the video game. Yeah, it was horrible. That movie stunk. Uh, by the way, uh, our, our, our dear friend of, of our show and the old Dennis Miller radio show, Lynn B, says she saw this movie twice, uh, Oppenheimer. So that's six hours at the movie theater. Uh, what what do you think you could do with six hours in the movie theater? In a row. Oh, so much more, Christian. Uh... <laughs> think about how many uh, stuttering John... Melendez hypocrisy police shows you could watch. Oh, How yes, many great. MLC shows you could watch? Uh, you know? Probably like two and a half. Yes, yeah, two, two and a half. Two and a half. Uh, well, Lynn disagrees with my assessment. She says I don't understand everybody's ascent, uh, obsession with Florence or her boobies. Nothing to see there. Um, Will and like Jeff. The uh, the, oh my gosh, the pews Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope I hope Tuki liked that. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the kind of job that the kind of joke that uh, Tuki would enjoy mm-hmm. is, is the pew pews. Yeah, pew pew. Uh, so you like the Super Mario movie? That sounds uh, that mm-hmm. definitely sounds like a good one. You know? I like that you say Mario. Uh, yeah, my wife Mario. criticizes me on that. I don't yeah. I don't quite know exactly that's why that happens. That's very East happens. Coast of you. I feel like you say yeah, Mario. Your wife specifically. Mario. What was the question, Tuki? Sorry. You say Mario to your wife a lot that she criticizes you about it? Yes. Whenever I talk about this and I, I, I look, let's just say we play a game where I'm Mario. Luigi and uh, we are definitely going down in the pipes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Uh, but I don't know that I can really tell more about Uh-oh. this story. I, Wait, I, is it Mario pipe? or Mario? I So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't always know. say Mario, but it's Mario, I guess. Like, yeah, it's a me, a Mario. That's like from the cartoon. So it's, mm-hmm. it's Mario. But uh 
conversationally, I think I, I do tend to say Mario and it's mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it's like, uh, I think my New York accent sometimes comes out, especially when I'm tired and, uh, you know, like that thing you pull out of a dresser where you put clothes in. I might, if I'm tired, I might call it a draw. A draw. A or yeah. a turlet. Uh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, look, everybody likes a nice turlet, you know. You put an uh, R in toilet. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I, I know that uh, the great Chip Chipperson has been known to refer to it as a as a turlet. Oh, uh, yes. Do you have any thoughts on Chip Chipperson, Jeff? I don't know who you're talking about because that's obviously not a real person. Correct. I just wanted to make sure that we were maintaining the uh, uh, the uh, the continuity the integrity of, of, of the, the show. show. Uh, mm -hmm. Tuki, how close did you get to trying to see Oppenheimer? Did you, did you go to the movies or were you just like, no, I would mm -hmm. rather, Tuki would rather stay at home. No, I did. Even though Tuki does not like to fuel the child pornography machine that is Hollywood, he did go and he decided to watch The Little Mermaid instead. Oh, so you saw the, the new version of The Little Mermaid. Well, my, mm -hmm. my daughter is five and a half. Oh. And uh, she loved about the first hour of it. And then as soon as she, uh, you know, turned into a human and was on land, mm -hmm. she slept the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but she liked yeah. the first part, you know, where there were fish and, and, and undersea and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of the Little Mermaid movie? Uh, I thought visually it was nice, but overall it was crap. Tuki <laughs> does not care that the Little Mermaid was black. It was the fact that she had that giant cocoa puff on her forehead the whole movie. It was interesting. She did have a birthmark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. cannot stop oh. staring at the giant Cocoa Puff. <laughs> and also, it was like people singing karaoke to the original Little Mermaid songs. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, and, and it's funny, of all the movies that have come out this summer, I think The Little Mermaid is the one that we haven't covered on this podcast. But oh. uh, the, the worst part for me is, is that there were new songs in it. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you, you put a movie out that is a, a classic and beloved musical, they added some new songs to it. And uh, they were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did uh, Hamilton. Oh. And uh, I think that his style works really well for a, a, a concept like Hamilton, where it's like, OK, well, yeah, what if everybody rapped and the ethnicities didn't matter for what people actually were in the time period? Great. And then. He writes a song for this where uh, Scuttle, the uh, the seagull, is rapping. Oh, and, yes. And that's Aquafina. So all of a sudden, the seagull is rapping in the middle of The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the songs kind of are, are all still the same. Although somebody somewhere decided, like, hey, what if we gave Prince Eric a song? Which I think no one ever said in 35 years of watching The Little Mermaid movie. No one ever said, if no. only Prince Eric had a movie. No. Or was that your favorite song in the movie, Tuki? I don't want to. No. Okay. No, it stunk. It all stunk. All the songs stunk. We, uh, wait, I have a question. Are we criticizing mm -hmm. Halle Bailey for having a birthmark on her forehead? That I woman is fucking no. gorgeous. There are no problems with that, ladies. Will, <laughs> do you see who made the criticism? Yes, yeah, she had Just a look over, look over. Look over. Look <laughs> over at, at who made this point. This is, uh, this, okay, sorry, not we. Tuki. Mm -hmm, yes, mm -hmm. thank you. Yes. To, uh, yeah, the, the opinion, the opinions expressed the by Tuki are not necessarily endorsed Puffs. by the podcast. <laughs> I love Cocoa Puffs, so when I see it on someone's head like that, I can't stop staring at it. Uh, did you go so far Austin as to say Powers that you are actually cuckoo scene. for Cocoa Puffs? Oh yes, I'm absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs! Yay! Whoa! And uh, Will, I'm sorry, I spoke over you, but I wanted to make sure that I... I uh, it's just the, the, uh, the mole scene in Austin Powers, <laughs> the fixation on the mole, mm -hmm. it seems mm -hmm. to be the... 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that was probably a, a similar reaction uh, from from Tukey. Uh, so it's interesting that that's the one that you chose to see. But I feel like you probably just loved the old uh, cartoon version. And you oh, figured yes. Tukey, like, Tukey will just go. Did either, did either of you guys uh, see The Little Mermaid? Or did you not have the excuse of a five-year-old uh, daughter uh, to make you go see it? Well, see, the thing with Disney movies like that is I will not spend my dollars on seeing them because they will come out on Disney plus, which I already spend my dollars on. So fuck that. I will wait for it to come out on streaming. Mm -hmm. That's a a great. And then I'll hate it when I see it on stream. Oh, see Tukey. How do you, uh, how do you do with dogs? I hope that dog's not uh, in Tukey's house. I hope it's no, no, I don't know where that dog came from. Uh, Do you, uh, are you afraid that, uh, that, that is a a great dog that I know named, uh, Charlie Brown, uh, referred to as Charles. Uh, but uh, I feel like uh, Tuki, you look probably an awful lot like a lot of dogs chew toys. So, oh yes, uh, <laughs> you would tear me up. So tear I think you're glad up. that you're in your own little rectangle, uh, mm-hmm. letting letting all the boys and girls know about uh, Tuki Soup. Um, well, Tuki, I I don't want to keep you for too long because uh, Tuki is actually very busy these days. The oh, number of yeah. shows that Tuki turns up on, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I. I, I I even added you'll remember the '90s to Tuki, but that's actually not mm-hmm. one of your shows. But uh, you've been on you've been on who are these podcasts uh, much more mm-hmm. recently than I have. You've been on a couple of times since the last time I was on. So I'm not yep. jealous of Tuki though, because oh. like so many people, I love Tuki. I think the only person who really doesn't there's there's two. There's a potato that doesn't like you, Cardiff, mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Brennan, uh, the 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 self styled comedian. He doesn't like you, does he? No, Kevin will not acknowledge my existence, even though I do a fabulous Kevin Brennan impression. Chad's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking hack. <laughs> but he will not uh, accept Tuki. No, and, and maybe that's what it is, is that is he realizes... Is a stupid puppet? Yeah, and I think that Tuki is actually a very intelligent and very smart puppet. Well, if you. you were to badmouth some puppets that you think are stupid... Uh, do any come to mind immediately that you think, oh, if you want to see a stupid puppet, you should look for so-and-so? Uh, is Cardiff count as a puppet? He's a potato, and he's more animated, so he's a cartoon. Nah. Yeah. No, I, I enjoy all the puppets. I do not have any puppet uh, enemies that I know of. I mean, I'm sure they're all jealous like Cardiff, but... Yeah, so you're no. okay with the Muppets and mm-hmm. uh, everybody over at Sesame Street. Yeah. Yes, everyone is great. Would you would you be open to a collaboration if uh, perhaps the next Muppet film also featured Tukey? Yes, but I don't think they will have Tukey because Tukey talks about penises and cum and butts <laughs> and uh, says racial well, things sometimes. Only occasionally, though, and <laughs> I think uh, I think Tukey has uh, you know has really uh, cleaned up his act, and that's why uh, Tukey. I believe you can be found on Cameo, right? Yes, it was a joke. But I've actually gotten like eight requests, which is fantastic. Yay! So there was a show called Steel Tone Morning Show, and he was bragging about how Cameo contacted me and invited me to join Cameo. So Tukey said, wait a minute. I feel like any asshole with an email can join Cameo. And Tukey did. And now Tukey's an asshole on Cameo. Yay! (laughs) And uh, if anybody uh, wants a cameo from Tukey, uh, uh, what should they expect to pay? Is it 
Are, are we talking like uh, oh, Caitlyn Jenner, like $1,500? Uh, no, it's $10. Oh. I cannot. It's $10. Yes, I cannot, uh, go, you know, gouge my fans out of more money. I mean, I, they want just little clips, little uh, no, uh, things from Tukey. Uh, Tukey has congratulated people for their birthdays, for new jobs, just for being fantastic people. And uh, yeah, $10 seems pretty fair for Tukey's it, time. And Tukey it, will at least do three and a half to five minutes. Oh, I mean, that, that seems like a, a real value. I, yeah. uh, you know, speaking of Chip Chipperson, I did once buy a cameo from Chip Chipperson oh. for my friend Zia, who ironically ended up doing a show with him for years. So I could have saved my money, but it was $69. What do you think Whoa. about that price, Tukey? I mean, that is a very funny price, but it's a <laughs> lot of money. It, it is a lot of money. Chip Chipperson has a tiff, tiff. Was that your ball or something? Tiff, tiff. You don't even know what you just said. Yeah. You, you uh, don't even so, know what you just said. So, Tukey, if, um, say, I don't know, say somebody had, I don't know, a, a son named Felix who just turned eight years old. Oh. And uh, they asked Tukey to say happy birthday to them. Uh, what would it be like? Oh, absolutely, Felix. This is your good pal, Tukey. Yay! Your friend till the end. I heard that you just turned uh, eight. eight. Hey, that is fantastic. I am so proud of you, Felix. I heard you're very good at video games, and Tuki feels that you could go pro. So you should probably quit school and not listen to you. No, no, you shouldn't do that. You should stay in school, but eventually, I think you could go pro. Felix, I truly believe in you. Happy well, birthday, and congratulations on turning eight. Tuki loves you more than a friend. Yay! So now I feel like uh, if, if I Venmo El Horrible $10, no. will he give it to you? Uh, no. Or he'll keep it for, to himself? No, don't you dare. Okay. That is on Tukey. <laughs> that is on Tukey. All mm -hmm. right, I appreciate it. Yeah, my, my son saw me watching Tukey Soup, and I was like, uh -oh. oh, well, this is a grown-up puppet. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you you actually remind him of a puppet on a on a show that he watches. It's a it's an elementary school teacher named Mr. DeMeo who has like a you know an educational show for kids, and he oh. has a puppet named Andy that he felt looked like you. But oh, uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty Let's sure that uh, <laughs> you could uh, yeah like, uh, you could you could send a patented Cardiff Electric season desist. And I'm sorry, Jeff, you were about to say something. I was going to say, I feel like a grown-up puppet sounds like an awkward conversation between a single father and their kid that walked in at mm -hmm. an inopportune time. That oh. makes Tukey so happy to hear. Tukey always <laughs> loves when people contact Tukey and they go, my wife walked in and she was like, we have to talk about what you're doing. <laughs> I love that. Oh, well, uh, Tukey, I really appreciate you taking the time out of Tukey's very busy schedule. I, I'm, a, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed you didn't see the movie, but I, oh. I love Tukey so much. I can't stay mad. You I'm know? sorry. Yes. No, please don't. Uh, Tukey doesn't watch many movies. That is very well known. Do you know Carlos Danger? I know the name Carlos Danger. Sure. Okay. I, know, I, I also know who's, uh, whose fake name was that? Oh, that was, um, uh, Anthony Weiner's uh, mm -hmm. fake name was uh, mm -hmm. Carlos Danger. Yes. So Carlos Danger yeah. is one of Tukey's great friends, and he does a podcast called the Insufferable Bastards Podcast, where yeah. they talk about movies all the time. He is a fantastic person to have on this show to talk about movies. Carlos knows everything about movies, and he makes fun of Tukey and El Horrible because they don't watch movies. Who do you think is uh, is is a better guest for people who have podcasts? And everyone in our audience probably has their own podcast. Do you think that they should uh, reach out to Tuki or El Horrible? Who's a better guest on a show? 
Uh, Tukey seems to be pretty hot right now. Everybody wants a <laughs> little bit of the Tukey rub. Everyone wants yeah. to get a little bit of the Tukey rub. Oh, yes, well, rub on Tukey. <laughs> but uh, only with your hands. Let's uh, let's yes. keep it uh, let's keep it PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tukey, I oh, appreciate Tukey, you Tukey. giving us some of the uh, the Tukey rub. And I'm sorry, Jeff. I feel like I stepped on something I shouldn't have. I said no Tukey Uki. No, no Tukey Uki. No, no, we never want the Tukey Uki. Uh, so uh, and then you can be found uh, everywhere. Uh, well, I, I was going to say on Twitter, but I believe it's called X now. Are you on X, Tukey? Uh, yes. Uh... I think it's at Tukey Soup Time. Okay. <laughs> or at well, B Dabbler. I have I'm horrible with marketing and I have things all over the place. And uh just well, Google Tukey Soup and it, maybe it'll it, come up. I don't it know. It sounds better than your friend Cardiff, who every time I see him, he's announcing a new podcast that he's starting the upcoming mm-hmm. Monday. So I think mm-hmm. that you have a lot on Tukey's plate or in your bowl for Tukey Soup. Wow. And, uh, try to manage that. Mm-hmm. Do as many guest appearances as you can. And uh, I'm, for one, I'm looking forward to more Tukey Soup. And uh, I'm glad that I got to have my friend Tukey meet my other friends, Will and Jeff. I, I'm very happy that you took the time to meet them today. I don't think uh, Will knows what to make of Tukey. He just, he looks befuddled. <laughs> Is that an accurate assessment, Will? Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to make of what you were like, oh, we'll be doing something after this. And I think I was just like, Oh, it's very uh, stupid. It's a left. It's a left turn. No, it's not yeah. stupid. <laughs> well, I have a Swedish Chef puppet behind me on a small table, oh. so I like puppets. I, I, I yeah. just pointed was, at a uh, piano. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's my you know behind my phantom wall here, Chef. Yeah, you're, <laughs> where yeah. I keep my bat suit and other things behind. Behind me. <laughs> you, where you have uh, you have Fraser's living room behind you. That's right. Yeah. So this yeah. idea that I would love to talk to Tuki about this movie came before I saw the movie and I thought it was going to be a lot more depressing and sad about uh, nuclear devastation than it was. But uh, instead it just turned out to be a, a three hour committee hearing. So I still feel okay. And by the way, Tukey raging rhino does oh. clarify. It is at Tukey soup time and he has just followed you. That's so. fantastic. Thank you. Raging rhino. I love you more than a friend. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but uh, Will, I think you can uh, you can appreciate uh, this is the first puppet we've ever had on the Blackcast. And Tuki, we've been doing the Blackcast for ten years. Whoa! I'm amazed that we haven't somehow had another puppet on. But you're, Mm -hmm. but well, wait. You don't consider the potato a puppet? No, he's a cartoon. I asked about Bujinski. See, yep. Oh, our friend David is a bit of a puppet, but that's just because uh, he appreciates people putting their hands in his bottom. Some people say puppet. I say corporate shill, but you know. That's a... <laughs> well, I think we can we can drop the mic on that, Tuki. I really appreciate it, and and I look forward to getting a chance to talk to you again sometime soon. I I don't know when or where. If if I ever end up on a show with Tuki, my career is going to be heading in the right direction because mm-hmm. right now this is the first time I've been on a show with Tuki. Uh, I I think uh, I think I was on something with uh, Bedabbler once, but. Uh, the, that's not really the same, is it? No, it is not. Uh, Tuki, Tuki Mania is running wild. And thank you, Christian. Thank you for having me, uh, Tuki, on the show. Thank you for my new friends, Jeff and Will. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> 
Thank you. And uh, I, I, I don't think I was able to uh, set it up, but uh, on the way out, why don't you give us a, a hack a hack? I, I thought that, you know, our, I guess our comedy wasn't hacky enough that uh, we warranted a hack a hack. No, so. that is Tuki's fault. Tuki sometimes forgets about all these stupid catchphrases. <laughs> so let's just do it now. Hack a hack a. Thank you, Tuki. Uh, everybody, please follow at Tuki Soup Time. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks again, Tuki. Thank you, guys. Uh, so that's not what you were expecting, was it, uh, Will? That uh, I was going to have a, a, a puppet on who... Uh, there was a good, like, five to ten minutes where I was like, what the fuck is even... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to point out, uh, Tuki has a uh, larger presence on the internet uh, than, uh, than than any of us. All I'm of not us surprised. Combined. That yeah. does not surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, uh, puppets are more interesting than, than any of us combined, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, oh my gosh, Raging Rhino, where was this comment like one minute ago? Getting some Tuki Nuki. Tuki Nuki. I'm not even sure how to say it. We did it all for the Nuki. Um, yeah, I kind of hoped he w would actually take the time to see the movie, but uh, in all honesty, I didn't. Um, I didn't think that. See, if he saw it, then maybe it would be a Tuki Nuki. <laughs> I love that. Um, now, see, I feel like that should be the title of the episode. I wanted to call it John Jacob Oppenheimer Schmidt because it made me laugh. But, uh, <laughs> I saw that. That is good. I like that. Oh, uh, well, that's why the, so many of the <laughs> titles about, on the about... podcast have or. But Do sorry, what... Dr. Oppenheimer and how I learned to <laughs> Tuki the Nuki. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How I learned to stop worrying and love the Tuki Nuki. Yeah, I, I don't think I can use all those characters, so we'll workshop that. Um, so it, to uh, to wind things up at uh, an hour and sixteen minutes, the uh, the question will be: Will if somebody asks you one, do you think I should see Oppenheimer? What is your answer to them? Yes. If someone says, "Oh, I was thinking of watching Tuki Soup Sundays at ten on YouTube," what do you think you would say? If that's your cup of tea, you should do it. Or a bowl of soup, perhaps? Or a bowl of soup. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. I, you know what? I think he just struck a wrong note with uh, with my infatuation with Halle Bailey. and, and She's uh, lovely, by the way. And she's fantastic in the film. And uh, I think that uh, <laughs> I, if I had to guess, Tuki had probably uh, used that joke somewhere else before. And it probably got a laugh and uh, wasn't focused on. I'm just is, guessing. Yeah. This is like the I used a lot of jokes at a lot of places that, you know, some sometimes they would do well, sometimes they wouldn't. And I would take the aggregate, you yeah. know, and determine whether or not to keep, to keep the mean, joke a lot. I mean, when was the last time we heard you uh, dust off your Mark Wahlberg impression? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's been it, a yeah. long time. I, I'm not even talking about other voices you used to do, because yeah. honestly, I don't even because remember it's cultural appropriation. So you can't right. talk like us. That's, that's true. Only I Jeff lived there for two months. I lived there for two months, Jeff. Yeah. Doesn't only, count, only, kid. Doesn't count, kid. <laughs> only Jeff can do uh, uh, the Boston accent at this point because uh, Will and I are just in California. Uh, so, yeah. Jeff, if uh, somebody asked you, I'll ask you the same question. If they said, uh, hey, I'm thinking of checking out uh, Oppenheimer, uh, what, would you, what would you tell them? I would definitely recommend it. I mean, as long as they're not somebody who's going to have trouble with a long movie. Yeah. I don't see any reason not to see it for yourself at the very least. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, this is clearly a movie that a lot of people are going to see. 
there's a lot to it. There's it's something worth discussing, right? Like versus as much as we in love Marvel movies here and are loved whatever, it wasn't like there was a ton to discuss, right? Like, yeah. Hey, there was a guy and he did a thing and then they bang, 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 and it was over. Whereas this yeah. movie, there's like, hey, this is a real person. These are real things that really happen. Right. And like right. this is the rippling effect on our actual real life world. So it's there's tons to discuss. In in the heyday of when we would talk about Marvel movies, though, there would always be that part where it's like, and Will, what did you think about when Stan Lee was the FedEx delivery man? Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stank? I will say that I was missing, we were missing the scene of old Oppenheimer saying, I remember when I invented the nuclear bomb. <laughs> I saw the Hulk climbing on think, the wall. And I think thought, about how that, that was. <laughs> they had that scene. It's when he's old and getting the medal, and then he sees Benny Sachs' right. character again. You're right. <laughs> I get. I miss it. That's a small thing. I know we're wrapping up, but I guess I missed that detail where Emily Blunt hated Benny Safdie. I was like, yeah. wait, what? So that was what? so that was from the testimony. He gives testimony where he's essentially saying Oppenheimer's cool-ish, but then he's pressed and he goes, "No, I don't think because of his impetuous attitude." Basically, he sells him out without strictly selling him out and it was enough that it was like he totally effed him over because Safdie was the one that they're referring to as having been jealous of Oppenheimer because he was more of the progenitor of the hydrogen bomb versus the atom bomb as right. and that was a big point of contention was the creating the what they call and, the super bomb right and she was also maybe that was sleep at that point yeah uh, uh, Kitty Oppenheimer is her character's name and Kitty was very upset because uh Oppie as we haven't even talked about <laughs> people apparently called him Oppie uh <laughs> they uh she Big was Oppie. very upset that, that uh he uh, he shook his hand after he said all that you know and so then yep. that's why when she he goes to shake her hand she just looks at him like nope um and uh, Raging Rhino says, I watched the Snyder Cut without a break. Oppenheimer will be a piece of cake. Uh, and Oppenheimer is absolutely worth the watch, says Dominica Saxon. But take a nap first. Will, did you take a nap before your 1245 movie? Or I really tried. <laughs> I yeah. I saw actually, I, I saw eight hours of movies that night. I went to the New oh Beverly gosh. for a 730 screening of Escape from wow. New York. And then awesome. that was a double nice. feature with with Total Recall, and my intention was to in sleep during Total Recall because I've already seen it. And I was yeah. like, I'll sit in the back. I was like, I'll just sit in the back and just like set an alarm. And uh, is it the I Schwarzenegger it, one or the Pharaoh one? The Schwarzenegger one. Yeah, the New Beverly would okay. never play the the remake. Yeah, I agree. Um, Good. And Good. <laughs> didn't didn't sleep. I tried to close my eyes. I got to the theater early. Had a cup of coffee, but I I, I couldn't sleep before. So uh, yeah. I think so. You, hat, you you respect the advice, but you were unable to take it yourself. You tried. You definitely. I tried. tried. I tried. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, look, I think that even, and I've been very critical of of Tenet since it came out. I think even that movie, it, there's 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 a lot of it. It's confusing, but there's so much of it that's at least interesting, and it, it's well cast, and it's almost like worth watching to be like, look maybe you'll figure it out. Cause I couldn't crack that code. You know, it's like, a, it's like when people, when everybody was doing wordle, you know, and sharing their scores and like, well, uh, maybe, maybe you'll get it on the first try, you know? So it's like, I'd even say like, yeah, go check out tenant. Um, you, you might get it. I, I wasn't smart enough. I, I, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who, uh, who likes Tukey, 
So obviously, I might this movie might be <laughs> above my head, but I don't dislike Tukey. All right, I'm gonna the I'm gonna send that clip don't. to him because I yeah. think the Tukey will I have love, trouble. I love Tukey. I love him. I, I think that it's a, it's a him. Yeah, it's oh, established. It's, it's it's canon. Uh, no, it's canon that that he's a him, uh, because he does oh, okay. talk about penises and cum sometimes. Uh, so I did <laughs> hear that. The, talk about depends on the show he's sometimes. on. Yeah, sometimes. Well, yeah, exactly. So he fits. I, I honestly, I think uh, he he fits right in uh, here at the show. If if only he had uh, watched the movie. But I I'll send that clip to Tuki because I think he'll be glad to know that. Uh, that that will uh does indeed love Tukey because America loves Tukey. I think that's yeah. that's what we're finding. It is the summer of Tukey. But um yeah, so I'm glad we uh, <laughs> Tukey with with all the all the hits. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. that's the first big one, <laughs> the the Green Day Tukey album, uh, which mm -hmm. has a song about masturbation. So you see it all goes full, full circle. circle. Um, so, uh, what are we, uh, what are we excited for the rest of the summer? I know, uh, Will and I have a, a loose plan for uh, blue beetle, uh, because as I mentioned, yeah. um, I think I forget what movie it was before, but, uh, my wife and I were seeing a movie and in the middle of blue beetle, she just leaned in and said, Nope. So, uh, <laughs> just so I feel like it looks that bad. No. And... Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was well. I know she likes Chuck, so I know she was looking forward to Shazam too. But yeah, but then she, she actually saw... still she still hasn't seen it because of uh, you know uh, not that she watched the or listened to the black cast about it, but uh, she kind of knew how we felt about it, so she was in no rush to see it. And I'm sorry, what were you saying, Jeff? I like to believe that it's when she saw George Lopez was in it, she was like, "And I'm out." <laughs> I like his weird long hair. This, yeah, this joke yeah. about Batman being a fascist is not true. No, it's not true. He's a capitalist. Come on, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I think we all know. Um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's kind of the the next big one. Um, I still haven't seen Barbie, uh, because because my my daughter couldn't wait for me to see it with her, so she went uh with uh with Heather and Felix. So uh, but uh, I'm told that she needs to see it again. So I'll probably see it at some point. But uh. I think we're past the point in the, the really Oppenheimer was the last one where I'm like, all right, yeah, I really want to make sure that I see that uh, blue beetle. I'm, I'm looking forward to, I hope it's fun, uh, but you know, it's not that level, but uh, am I missing something uh, that, that either of you can think of? Nothing. Like I mean, my, ba really... my big fat Creek wedding three. I <laughs> I'm looking at the, are you going to do a Barbie podcast? You're going to talk about Barbie after I see it. I will decide. Have you seen it? Well, Oh yeah. Uh, well, uh, if, 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 if you feel like I'm going to want to, after I see it, then uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, don't, but, I don't know if you're, a, if that's yeah. your audience. Uh, I, I mean, know. I think it's good. Oh, and funny enough, I loved Barbie and I hated Spider-Man too. Into the spider, across. All oh, across of, the spider. I thought, I, I, I'm Power sorry. Man. I thought you were saying you hated the, the second Tobey Maguire with. No, Tom sorry. No. And the Andrew uh, Garfield, the Andrew Garfield second one. The, the Andrew Garfield second one. You mean Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Across the Spider-Verse, not for me. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Two and a half hours of not a whole story with wow. zero message, and then it ends. That, so I was like, what? I didn't that, know it was supposed to be one part. Uh, I thought it was one that, movie. That was the part is I was most excited about. Ish. Yeah. That is, that, that's, that's <laughs> a movie you were talking about when you said, like, how is it the part one? 
Yes, uh, it and Mission Impossible, but more so it because Mission Impossible at least kind of ended, well, even though I, they're going to yeah, go to the next it, thing or whatever. Right, and and at least that one, the title of the movie is part one. This one yeah. wasn't, yeah, Spider-Verse. That's interesting. I, was, I out loud in the mean, theater with Casey next to me when it ended, I went, what? <laughs> I remember looking at my watch going, God, they got fucking 10 minutes to wrap all this shit up. There's so many like loose threads. How are they going to do this so fast? If they're not, that was the answer. They didn't do it. I mean, they always said they were making two movies. And yeah, like the no, plan no. was always that they were making two more movies and it would be a split sequel trilogy finale type thing. Oh, see, I didn't but know. I didn't I mean, know it was think, like Back to the Future 2 and 3. You know what I mean? When when I sat it, down. It's, think of, it's, it's a same shit in Star Wars 5 to 6. You have the massive cliffhanger. Like I kept thinking about that story. and I was like. You, it worked one time, and that was Empire Strikes. <laughs> <laughs> you tried it again. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then if you're if you're old like me, you had to wait three years to see what happened next. And well, you know, maybe we we'll have to wait the, three years oh, for this one. The the changes yeah. I went through in those three years. Uh, I mean, I I outgrew Tuki. That's uh, but now I've come back around. So changes. Anyway, uh, well, we're uh, we're hovering around the ninety minute mark, so I think it's a it's a good time to go. Um, I hope uh, people enjoyed our conversation on Oppenheimer. Uh, considering uh, Raging Rhino, I, uh, I I hope we didn't spoil the movie for you. There is a bomb <laughs> in it, but the movie itself is not a bomb. I wonder, by the way, how many uh, film critics like they had in their head like I'm going to just write a movie that says the real bomb was on the big screen. And then they were like, oh, but I didn't hate it that much. Damn it. I had the perfect review, you know, but uh, uh, now if, if, they're, if they're of the appropriate age, they would just write the headline. Nolan's new movie, Da Bomb. <laughs> I like that. See, there you go. That's good. Yeah, that's that's the way that uh, that Jeff looks at it. And of course, that it was a Tuki Nuki. Um, Jeff, this is a great time for you to be off social media because uh, Twitter turned into X. And it was fine at first. I know you've got the hat, actually. Uh, and then, and it didn't matter. And then all of a sudden, the, the app on my phone, without me doing any kind of updates or anything, it now looks like an X. So when I'm looking for Twitter, I'm not ready to look for that. I'm looking for the dumb blue bird. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I love about it is that the app has not changed at all. It's yeah. just an X at the top. Everything looks normal. And then yep. when you look at your profile and things, it still says tweets. It still says yeah. the word is I'm like, what a lazy hackneyed. This is like the biggest joke in the fucking world. It's so sad. It's not great. Yeah, it's it's not great. And and I, I use this uh, this comparison often. Sometimes I feel like uh, sometimes I feel like Elon Musk buying Twitter is a Brewster's million situation. If you guys are familiar with the great Richard Pryor film where his job is to, I think, blow through through no blow through, maybe it's $30 million in a month. Mm -hmm. And then he gets $300 million as an inheritance, or he could choose to just keep the $30 million. So he just, he's burning through money like an idiot, you know, I like never he has thought like, that would be that hard. I never understood how that was like a challenge. Yeah. I'm like, just buy really expensive shit. That yeah. seems yeah. pretty oh. straightforward. I mean, you should be able to buy like two, a boat or two of a certain size and you've spent that money. So I mean, like, just, I don't know what just, to tell you. Just sign Justin Verlander for a year and uh, you don't <laughs> have to have a team. You're like, no, he's under contract. Well, to what? 
to the black cast. I've spent $30 million to sign him. So whenever I want him on of Justin Verlander and Tukey on the show. It's like that, that movie Blank Check where the kid gets a blank check and I think he spends a million dollars, but then you're looking at it, you're like, this is clearly like $40 million that you spent. You <laughs> bought a castle. Like there's, yeah. this is not a million And then filled it with like go-kart track and all these things. <laughs> yeah. Also, million, lucky I feel, I feel that like the, it was like, hundred thousand dollars and he's like look what i can buy yeah I, maybe they never established <laughs> how much it actually was but i feel like it also glad to know that that man who wrote him a blank check kept whatever amount of money the kid spent just in his checking account the check did yeah. not bounce nope it went through nope. so it's a really rich really rich guy with only liquid assets that's really good for him yeah i think that's uh <laughs> that's the takeaway uh and and you know uh like most podcasts uh we started out talking about oppenheimer we talked to a puppet for half an hour and then we ended on blank check i think that uh you know it's very hard to make your show stand out when it's just like all the other ones but uh we do what we can here on the black cast but will go ahead i oh, sorry i had one more thought just because we were talking about stuff but when we were talking about batman i had just an image of like Elon Musk dre dressed in a costume and just running around San Francisco punching poor people in the face for like committing crimes. He's just like, stop the crime, punches a poor person in the face. I'm Batman. Because it's just like, contextually, Bruce Wayne is this exorbitantly wealthy guy who instead of doing like fundraisers and charities out just like punching poor people who are criminals because they're criminals. Yeah, I mean, what he wants to do is he wants to punch people like the Joker, but it's true. He does end up spending a lot of time, you know, just uh, punching people for whom crime was the only option to try and get out of the 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 underbelly of Gotham, which, uh, you know, look, we can uh, we can we can put uh, put old Bruce Wayne on the psychiatrist's couch on a, a future episode of the show. But if people do want to find you on X and Instagram, Will, where can they do that? Uh, at Will Sterling underscore also on threads. The, yes. The weird, yeah. like, this is us trying to make Twitter, but when you're on it, you're like, it's just Instagram without pictures, but then you realize yeah. people can post their pictures to threads, which just makes it Instagram again. Yeah. So. Well, I'm not sure. and most people that I follow cross post their threads on Instagram and I'm like, but where's the picture? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, and, it all and now I have Facebook? to decide what's that. Isn't it all still just Facebook? Like, your Twitter was just status <laughs> updates, but right. without anything else. Yeah. So it's just all the same shit a hundred times yeah. for you to the, be on the more platforms. The next the one is going to bring us back around to uh, basically to uh, either MySpace <laughs> or Friendster. We'll just have to keep watching. We'll just keep uh, resetting. And and then I'm like, do I... Do I have to hire Farad Muhammad to re-record our outro so that because he says Twitter and he doesn't say threads, I kind of want to hear him say and follow us on X. You know, I kind of want to hear that. And uh, Dominicus Saxon's right. Uh, we should let everybody know what our username is on AOL. Uh, follow us on AIM at Blackcast. Uh, but uh, in any case. That's that'll be for uh, for next time. And at, at Will Sterling underscore. Did I get that out or did I talk over you? I no, that's no, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right. And it's interesting because your your blinds are creating like a, a like a, a dot pattern of sunlight on you. But it's like not on your background because you're in Fraser's living room. So uh, you can uh, I appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. Thanks again to Tuki for uh, being our special guest and also Will and Jeff for seeing this movie at very inconvenient times uh, just so that I could talk to a puppet didn't go and see it but uh, everybody wins on the black cast and you'll see more of that next time on the black cast I love Tukey. I love him. Tukey loves you all more than a friend. <laughs> Yay! Hacka hacka! Thank you for listening to the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D- M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Oh, the Bladcast 199. Who's had more hands up their bum, Chad or Tukey? <laughs> Chad. I think that's the answer. I think that is the answer. Thank you, Bladcast. I'm going to name drop real quick. I hope that's okay. I had Christian Blatt at my house this past weekend. Wow. And, um, before he left my house, I gave him my uh, Who Are These Podcast t-shirt. He didn't give me money for it. He didn't yeah. donate to oh, my cause. Son of a bitch. I just thought it'd be what good to like, give the guy a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that might be good. Like a guy who has a show, give him a shirt. He can wear that on, yeah. on his show. Yeah. Might be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> So I can't wait to isolate that and start putting it at the end credits of the Blackcast, uh, where we have a little montage of clips. Blackcast, four ninety nine. John talking about his cell phone. His phone call with Carl is like Howard's story about meeting uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, John thought you'd improve his <laughs> reputation. Yep, he's a uh, uh, yeah. Blackcast is a hundred percent right. Well, this has been the Blackcast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Uh, the Bladcast. Oh, I like this one. This is nice. This is what you were saying, Richard. The Bladcast. Thank you for two bucks. 
the Blad Cast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Black Cast. Whoop de doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast with me and Carl. Good luck with the whole thing. And you know, here's to another five hundred. Get you to a thousand, you know, which is more than five hundred last time I checked. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> Our boy Christian Blatt listened to the program. Very kind of him to subscribe to Patreon. He pointed out to me, and this felt wrong the moment I said it. <laughs> but uh I mentioned the Simpsons prank calls. And I was like, wait, as I, after I said it, I was like, but the Tricky Boys didn't really do, you know, like silly names, like huge erection or any of that. So I was like, what am I thinking of? And Christian Blatt astutely pointed out to me, those were the uh, bum bar bastards. <laughs> a terrible name. But uh, they would call this b- a bartender named Red, who would legitimately, he was like an angrier version of Mo Sislak, basically. He had a gruffer voice. And everything, and they would just call and say, uh, "Is Ben there?" And he would yell for Ben, and they'd say, "Last name Dover." And the guy would just be on Ben Dover. Is it Ben Dover? It is extremely childish, but still gets me to this day. Who do you want to talk to? Ben. Ben. Yeah. Anybody named Ben? Ben. Ben. Nobody. Last name is Mr. Dover. It's Dover's last name. I'm glad Christian Blatt uh, put that up because I totally forgot I am doing the podcast tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault. Tookie loves you all more than a friend. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> hacka, hacka!